This is going to impact on Geoffrey Rush. I mean, I think he's sort of finished as a public figure now. For years I've always said, look, nothing like that has ever happened to me. I've never felt like a victim. I've never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet a lot of the things she said, I thought, oh, my God, this happened to so many women. And some of us were able to cope with it and some of us weren't. Something is happening. Everybody is suffering or complaining of screen fatigue. And there is a whole lot of reassessment, and I think there will be in 2019, of how frequently we are accessing our iPhones and the negative impacts of social media. So if you want to chill out and turn your screens off, turn to a book. Tim Payne has just, in so many ways, reinvigorated Australian sport for me. He's well-spoken, he's respectful. Does a good interview. Yeah, you don't feel it's bullshit, you feel you're getting the right information. No, he's really, he's a great new face. Lavened up by your rubbish bin. It's called companion planting, Caro. Well, this Mm. is companion keeping flies away, and it's absolutely, (laughs) it works. I've just looked back in my Christmas book and I found my festive slaw. Oh, not the red slaw. It is the red slaw. <laughs> and last night on the telly, I saw Nigella giving it a red hot go, although she called it tricolour. She looked a bit sexier making it than I do. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. everyone and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Corrie Perkin and today's Christmas special and our final episode for 2018 sees us bringing home the bacon. Today we are doing the best lists of best books, some really good best Christmas recipes and I might throw in a couple of good podcasts as well. And with me to play ball is Caroline Wilson, my friend and fellow messenger. Hi, Caro. Can the year have gone so quickly, Corrie? Where have all those episodes gone? And, of course, welcome back to Anna from the Op Shop, Anna Barry, by popular demand, by royal (laughs) command. She's back. Merry Christmas, all. Merry Christmas to you, Anna. And Miss Jane told us that there was lots of correspondence uh, regarding your turkey brining recipe, which I still can't get my head around the word brine. I know, it's a, it's a weird old word, but definitely worth Brine's a doing. great word. Double whammy, you brine your turkey to keep it moist. <laughs> <laughs> Two words we're outlawing. Now, uh, an apology today from Chris Redfern. We did plug that Chris, who is the owner of the Avenue Bookstores in Melbourne, was going to join us today. He is a late scratching. The weekend flood, which hit Melbourne, of course, hit two of his three bookshops very badly indeed. And as he said last night to me on the telephone, I'm in crazy busy mode. Well, look, Chris, we all are. (laughs) Some of us also have bookshops and some of us had floods in our bookshops, but I have huge sympathy for him because, of course, Richmond was probably Melbourne's worst hit suburb and he has a bookstore there that just the water apparently flooded in the front door. So anyway, happy trading, Chris. Hope all those books dry out. It sounds like a bit of a man excuse to me. A few weeks ago on 3AW in one of his last shows for the year, Ross Stevenson made a comment at just in passing. He said, people you know, say Christmas is stressful. Christmas isn't stressful. I heard it. There was, I swear, I, I think the talkback lines nearly mm. went into meltdown, explosion. One woman rang up and just got so angry with him. <laughs> and then another one rang up and talked about lazy men lying around on Christmas afternoon in food comas. I mean, that is just a ridiculous statement and one that could only be made by a man. Well, I, I was listening to the special of uh Fortunately, with Fee and Jane, which is one of my favourite podcasts, talk about it in a minute, and they did a live podcast Christmas special from a pub in Cardiff. It's hilarious. You must have a listen. I'd love to be having Christmas at a pub in Cardiff. <laughs> I'm well, dying they did to too. To and a bit like a bit like our Don't Shoot the Messenger Day at the Flying Duck a couple of weeks back, there were a hundred women and two men. Uh, <laughs> but um, one of them made the comment: "Chris, is Christmas just a joke played on middle-aged women for whom all responsibility seems to tumble in your direction?" And I thought, yes, sister, you're right there. Corey, I've got an apology to you because you asked me on our live podcast, our triumphant live podcast, Anna from the op shop and I were walking the other day and we actually found ourselves walking past the flying duck Mm. and Anna pointed to it and said, (laughs) "Mm, seen of. Anyway, you asked me my favourite non-Christmas carol Christmas song and I said I could only go with carols, but I should have, I've thought about it since. Santa Claus is Coming to Town has to be one of the best songs ever. Sorry, it is so why did, happy. Why did the Flying Duck Walk relate to – were you both singing it as Because you, you asked me along? the question at the Flying Duck. Oh, I see. So the I know, pub, it's a bit of a long bow, I realise. <laughs> a very long bow. <laughs> the pub took you back to your 12-year-old back, self, right? Took us back to – no, but it's just a, a happy song. It's a – you know, you'd better not shout, you'd better yeah. not cry, you'd better, you'd better not laugh, you'd better not cry. I think it is just the happiest, funniest song. And a good so, one for middle-aged women dealing with Christmas, I suspect. Yes. You know, you better not laugh, you better not 
not cry. Just keep it calm. Well, I think it's more for kids. I think it's a really good kids song. Anyway, and, apologies. Um, I have an apology too. Last week I referred to that most excellent documentary on trees featuring Her Majesty the Queen. And I did say Sir Richard Attenborough, which of course I meant to say his younger brother, Sir David. The Queen has many great talents, Anna and Cara, but bringing people back from the dead is not one of them. <laughs> and sadly, Sir, sadly Sir Richard it. or Lord Attenborough died in 2014. He was a famous actor and director. And, of course, uh, Sir David, as we know, is the naturalist and was the one walking around Buck Palace with the Queen. So um, apologies to the and we're grumpy about we're grumpy about a lot of things, but I'm grumpy that the Crown for the past two years has come on in November and we have just loved it up until Christmas. It's not the third series isn't starting till March. I'm absolutely devastated. I was so looking forward to a Christmas of um, feasting on, you know, London in the 60s well, you could and try 70s. Succession, which is loosely based on the Murdoch family, Rupert Murdoch's family. So I'm that's apparently, that. yeah, very good. It so I can't last wait for that. Week. Can I just send a quick cheerio to Justin Irwin, one of our potties who drove over to the shop from Mont Albert the other day after he wrote a nice email inquiring about a book and said, got to say, I love Don't Shoot and look forward to the notification every week that another episode is ready. My wife is getting a little suspicious, though, when I pull up at home after work and continue to sit in the car and listen and laugh. She is calling me a bit of a groupie. So, of course, we got Coco, who was working with me to take a photo of Justin and myself, and he took it home to Mrs. Justin, who apparently laughed her head off and thought it was hilarious, and her husband has even more of a problem. And I just want Wanted to show you That's girls. a compliment to cross town for you, Corrie. This is a lovely, I don't know how we're going to share this, uh, Caro and Jane and Anna, but this is a really lovely gift that came in from one of our potties. Caro and Corrie, a few episodes ago, Caro was discussing what to plant when in your veggie garden, and I couldn't resist sending you a little Christmas gift. My incredibly talented aunties, one an artist and one an avid gardener, have collaborated on a veggie and herb planting guide. And this is it. It's a tea towel, girls. Look, the oh, aunties. Brilliant. The aunties. Oh, it's such a pretty tea towel, oh, it's too. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's got lots of herbs and Can veggies on it. I believe I'm holding it up to the microphone. See that, Potty? It's called Garden. Garden Girl. It's called, uh, yes. So if you want to buy one, I, um, definitely I highly recommend because it's it has all your planting info there. Can I get gardengirl.com.au? So and uh, look find at the out card. more there. Yes. It's a card cucumber. Oh. Is it a cucumber or <laughs> yeah, a zucchini? Call us, call us a cucumber, Caro. Oh, oh it's us. beautiful. At Christmas yeah. time, not. Oh, not. not. Well, you uh, know, my husband always says oh, on Christmas Eve, so we're sort of for Christmas, are we? Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, Christmas Eve, <laughs> yeah. not a present bought, not a decoration on the tree. We're sorted. I'm just waiting mm. for him to say it Monday mm. night. That sounds a, sounds a bit like our house. And um, thank you um, to Shauna Rose Sullivan, who says, um, I think Andrew Broad should listen to you, Carol, about the inappropriate use of mate. Darren mm. Lehman is still struggling to call people by name when he's interviewed, as are many other cricket commentators. However, just on Andrew Broad, I know we don't have time to go into him, you know, over the long term, but... Not into Talk, him, into it. Speaking yeah. mm. speaking about Grumpy, he says um, his comment after he was forced to stand down was, following media coverage about my private life, I think the good folk of uh, Moree, was it? No, uh, Mally, no, the Mally. The Mally, the Mally. Sorry, the Mally, of course, could use, a, you know, need a, new can, need a new local member. I mean, no, Andrew, it no. wasn't media Don't coverage. Don't shoot the messenger, it Andrew. It wasn't the media. <laughs> Never has that word been, that term been better oh, used, Corrie. More appropriate. What? what a moron. Um, can I just read, can I please read out this little line from Penny Wynn because you laughed at me last week, Caroline Wilson. Not unusual, I suppose. <laughs> Ma- Mandy from Hardy Grant was in fits with this one when I suggested that, you know, we have to get dog slippers. You know they come into the op shop. There are such things. Oh, my God. Can you ring when they're there? No, I actually had a, a, a set. I don't think you can call them a pair, a set. A couple of months ago. So I was laughing when you said it because I thought, no, well, Penny people Wynn, are manufacturing them. Penny Wynn, Anna, our little potty out there, said, I am with you, Corrie Ree, clickety-clackety dog feet. Nothing worse. Used to drive my husband mad. So you were at my house last night, Caroline. Yeah, I'm afraid you, I offended, Corrie. I said, did you note that the, the clickety-clack I of Bezzy? I said, Bezzy doesn't skip around anymore. She trudges. Oh, but oh, it, do her nails need cutting? She's freaking 112. Well. No, but what about her nails? Yeah, because it's that on the pine boards as well. It's yes. not just that. I think she might pad, need pad, a bit pad. of a, a pedicure. I think she needs a foof up for Christmas, to be honest. <laughs> 
And at this date and walnut slice you've brought in is absolutely beautiful. It takes me back to round one at the MCG. Thank you very much. Go Tigers. Lots, lots of goodies on the table and you'll see the photographs. Now, Corrie, I was at home the other day macerating my fruit. Good local tip. Don't embark on putting a fruitcake in the oven at 10 o'clock at night because then you read the instructions and it takes three hours. <laughs> she has to set the alarm to wake up. I, I did. I was asleep in front of yet another episode of Series 4 of The Bridge and even I couldn't stick with Saga Sorga anymore. Anyway, um, I was macerating my fruit the other day watching the cricket and they broke into the Channel 7 coverage with Lee Sale's latest bombshell. Wow. We're going to talk about well, it. Well, yeah. So, Caro and Anna, we I think we might have all watched it, but there was this most extraordinary bombshell which was released on air on ABC 7.30 this week between Lee Sales and Australian actor Yael, I think is that's how you pronounce it, Stone. Yael. Yael. And the reason for the interview, of course, was Stone's allegations about actor Jeffrey Rush, Rush, which included that Rush had exposed himself to her backstage, that Rush had attempted to spy on her while she was showering, that he had sent her sexually suggestive text messages, um, that he'd made suggestions to go to his hotel room. And all of this was the scenario of the 2010-2011 production of uh, Diary of a Madman, which won awards for Belvoir Street Theatre in Sydney. At the time, Rush was 59 and Stone was 25. What an extraordinary interview. Uh, of course, De- Jeffrey Rush has uh, didn't said the allegations of inappropriate behaviour he were incorrect and he has denied them, but he has said that he regrets if his, quote, spirited enthusiasm had caused Stone any distress. Did you watch the interview, girls? I did watch the interview. I thought it was extraordinary and I thought... Um, I thought that Stone was thoughtful and compassionate on the whole problem of the complexity of consent issues. So, I mean, yes, it was explosive about Jeffrey, but just in the broader terms, how it ever works in the workplace, if it does work. I thought she was fantastic and she really highlighted this issue. And yesterday I was just went online and just checked out what people were thinking. And I thought you potties would be interested Annabel Crabb said, this is one of the most nuanced and articulate explanations of workplace sexual politics I've heard. Amazing interview. Yeah, that's a that's very good point, Anna. I, I thought it was a brilliant interview. I mean, it's been suggested she was groomed for the interview, she was coached for the interview. I don't know the background of how she came about finally doing this interview. She'd obviously put a huge amount of thought into it. And it's the first time ever that I've actually thought back to my early days in the Herald Sports Department and working with all those blokes. And, you know, for years I've always said, look, nothing like that has ever happened to me. I've never felt like a victim. I've never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet a lot of the things she said, I thought, oh, my God, this happened to so many women. And some of us were able to cope with it and some of us weren't. Um, Added, you know, a few things you took out of the interview, added to the environment, the clearly sexually charged nature of theatre, film. And Anna, your husband, Chris, is an actor and he probably has seen this, you know, rehearsals particularly. Yes. And he said, you know, often it is part of the creative process and, you know, a dressing room back and backstage is completely different to other workplaces. And I get that. I hasten to add, he did say dancing round naked. Yeah. When you're sitting in a chair and you're a grown man it's standing not actually around. It's getting into is actually, a character, is it? No. As, yeah. as much as you may be improvising, no. This is going to impact on Jeffrey Rush. I mean, I think he's sort of finished as a public figure now. I hate to be oh, brutal, gone. but, gone, but he's, I mean, it, it's, it's gone. It's finished for him. But you know, Neil Armfield Corrie, who sat on um, Q&A a month or so ago and made that comment about, you know, look, we do need to understand the sexually charged nature and it's a different environment. I'm afraid that's just a cop out now. And he's a common denominator in both the incidents we know about to date. Well, you know, that in, in small in small theatre companies where there's not a hierarchy of producers and executive producers and directors and, you know, associate directors and so on, the director of that production is usually the go-to person, is the person seen in charge. Because they, she a, went a lot to of him. Yeah, yeah. went to him. That's right. Yeah. And, they, and they have a duty of care. But isn't it incredible? It's taken her nine years for her to be able to get up and talk about this. I mean... It obviously has just been this terrible thing that she has Lee had to was come very to terms interesting. with. Yeah, Lee was very interesting about you, you're clearly friends with the other whistleblower or accidental whistleblower because um, 
Yeah, she didn't come. She didn't. Kingly, uh, yeah. She didn't out herself. She no. was outed by the newspaper. Yes, and and then decided, and well, then then went ahead with it because she was subpoenaed. And she really had no other choice. Um, but they have spoken. They're not friends, but they're acquaintances. They've obviously met over coffee. They clearly. People are going to question the timing of this. But, Caro, I think also, don't you, you were just talking about the, the newspaper, uh, your newspaper history and your mind going back. Don't you think that's what's happened here too as well? And it's happening to women around the world, that as we hear an articulate uh, assessment of what's happened and how they're feeling, uh, they, they actually, um, it, to all of us, it, it suddenly prompts and prods your memory bank. You know, I went, I went back to the old days in the locker room. But look, just speaking of um, how articulate Stone was in this interview, let's just take a little grab. I, I can certainly own the fact that I communicated in ways that I certainly wouldn't now. I was 25, he was 59. I would never have that kind of relationship now. I would never text back in the way that I did then. I wouldn't even use the terms that I did then. I'm not proud of that at all. But I do believe that we need to shift up the cultural assumption that that's okay, that putting younger, more vulnerable people who are trying to get ahead in a position that is very compromising, we need to shift that up and and just look at our behaviour and maybe have some, some systematic changes to protect us from making those kinds of mistakes and wading into areas that leave people confused. That was Yael Stone in an interview with Lee Sale of the 7.30, I think one of the finest half-hour interviews we've seen. And what a rock star Lee Sale is at the moment. Her book is number in the top five. She's on fire. She's She's on fire. And what a great way to end the year. And I'd just also like to say, we've all got daughters of that age. And it did. I said to Chris, how would you feel if that was Ruby? Working with a 58-year-old man. I mean, when you bring it back to your perspective, like you are, Caro, with early work times, you know, it is really chilling because you think, well... Both my daughters have come to me over the last few years about things that have happened to them in the workplace. And I don't think I've maybe even took them seriously enough. One was a vague physical harassment, vague, and one was a verbal incredibly sexist comment and I sort of thought and I didn't say get over it but I said oh no that's no good and this is what you should do but I think I should have been even more outraged than I was so so you're absolutely right it does um I do want to mention her interview with David Peaver though the former chairman of the Australia of Cricket Australia which was such a triumphant interview that you know he thought I, it was the only interview he agreed to do after that damning report came out um, he went and did it in the MCC. Lee flew down to Melbourne. I'm sure he thought it was going to be not a once over lightly, but this would be the one serious interview he'd do and he'd be able to explain himself. He was gone Massive. three days later. He was yeah. gone three days later and she just kept asking the same sensible questions. And Carol, do you remember uh, f- uh, probably earlier this year I said to you, watch Lee Sales, her star is rising. The 7.30 is going to position her more as the personality interview, that she's actually going to step into that space that Kerry O'Brien for so many years did so well. Yep. Uh, but anyway, her, her book uh, is, uh, name escapes me at the moment, but is doing amazing things in bookstores. So, so you know, all power to Lee Sales. Well done. And my last comment on Andrew Broad and Sugar Daddy Gate, oh. as we've called him for the... For the um, <laughs> did you like that? For the purposes. Very good. I know. Very it just good sort line, of Corrie. came off I mean, my fingertips the purposes of going the messenger. <laughs> I just, I know I shouldn't laugh. I know he's a disgrace, but imagine <laughs> saying to the woman he's lined up online, Line, you know, mm. I feel like James Bond, and then yeah. started referring to himself as James Bond. <laughs> He's I deluded. Mean, He's a farmer from the Mallee. I mean, I have no problem with that. My father grew up in the Mallee. A, you know, a huge respect for farmers in the Mallee. But really, <laughs> what about when he had the major crack at Barnaby Joyce? I know. I mean, hysterical. what was he thinking? Did, yep. I mean, it was just extraordinary. And Barnaby had a, a good old Barnaby, mm. true to form, yeah. just came back. Gee, our Polly's have been behaving badly oh. this week. Anyway, what, there's a new. There's did a new you hear that Kevin Rudd's speech at the, the Labor thing when he got the life membership the no, other day? I went no, to turn the oven on and make this. He, he, he paid. He paid tribute to past Labor prime ministers. You know, Bob Hawke, Paul Keating. And the most formidable, Julia Gillard. Oh, my God. I Kevin, wasn't... move yeah, on. Fair dinkum. Badly behaved. Now, let's move on, ladies, speaking of moving on. And this is just a little frivolous one, although 
quite helpful, I think, to potty. So get your little mic Sorry. pads out. Christmas Last tips minute, are Christmas, <laughs> Christmas tips. Mm. Well, you know, we could be discussing the state of the world and what's happening with Brexit and what's happening with Donald Trump and his family. No, thank you. Trouble. <laughs> Let's go. Last minute Christmas tips. So we've got a little list there of last minute Christmas tips. Tips for shopping. Before you two weigh in, can I just say that there are lots of shops around Melbourne, such as my own, that have decided to do extended trading hours. And what this means is that a lot of us are opening our door, in our case, 8 a.m., and we close at 8 p.m. Oh. Why don't you shop then, everybody? You can get the Rockstar Car Park. There's no one around. You can get presents wrapped with care. And... The shopping centre is yours. Don't go at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock when it's peak hour or 3 in the afternoon when you're frazzled and the kids are in the back going, we want to go home and watch television. Just try and get your day organised. That would be my tip. What about you girls? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go first. I mean, the one, the thing, you know, of all the things that remind me of Christmas, you know, the shortbread, the mince pies, the taste of Christmas cake, the thing every year is when you wrap a present and you ask the person next to you to put the finger on the bow as you're tying it. I mean, that that reminds me of sitting with my grandmother down at the beach when I used to go down and wrap presents with her, you know, before Christmas. I would be the person who put the finger on the... I mean, you can double tie the knot. There's all different ways. The only way you can really get that... See, tight. you didn't work at George's like I did. Well, you can do the double. We had, we had to. We had to wrap. Back in the day, we had. We were so poor. We at George's, we were not allowed to use sticky tape. Oh. Do you know what? So we had to wrap with bow and hold the little That's parcel. Impressive. Impressive, Anna. I deserve an award yeah. for that. It's I can like still some do Japanese, it under pressure. You know, how do you fold your paper? <laughs> I just have one. You need one big table with exactly lots Karen. of sticky tape, ribbon, the best scissors, and at least two pairs of scissors because invariably one's got, under the other wrap. Exactly, two pairs of scissors, um, a couple of different coordinated your um, box wrapping of cards paper, your and box your box of, of ribbons. Oh yeah, yep. And and that that if you can do that, you can just feel relaxed every mm. time you walk into the kitchen or the living area and the dining room and start Mine wrapping. Is every at the end of the table, every so it's slightly annoying. Every for home dining. needs a wrapping station. I yes, agree. Yep. Exactly. And, and the other, the other thing is, um, and this is for people with interstate relatives, choose a shop near a post office. There is no better smug feeling mm. than walking out of one shop and walking two doors up to the post office and getting it all sent in the you know the, the one stop shop. That is a fantastic. I also way think of doing that the, um, the hostess gifts under the tree just at the start of. December or late November, go and buy, you know, 30 jars of something or other or 20 books well, or whatever. Preferably have them make wrapped. them, Corrie. Well, Corrie, that was my thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, <laughs> if, one, if one has seven months off like you do over summer, oh, Corrie, some of us are a little busy. You, you might say that now, but when you opened my Christmas nuts, which I must say was my best batch ever that I gave, mm. gave to you at Art oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm impressed, but you're on holiday and I'm not, so that's great. But what <laughs> about our friend? What about, Christmas our, nuts. what about our friend Joe, who made the Christmas stolen and for a friend and put it on the dining table and her pug dog, aptly named Mr Turnbull, somewhat of an opportunist, jumped on the dining dining room chair, which in itself is a feat for for a a pug, pug. (laughs) jumped on the table, got into four layers of cellophane, ate the Christmas stolen and then had to go and have its stomach pumped. Joe walked in, oh yep. my God, telltale signs, vomit and crumbs everywhere. There's Turnbull just and out, no like, out like a light, like I'm dying. <laughs> that, would no be the, that would be the And also a vet bill you couldn't jump over. That would be the same dog that weed on my doona. Not doona cover, <laughs> doona, as Joe was helping me make the bed one day. Anyway, we're not going to be mean about Mr Turnbull. Remember when our friend Nikki made us all pesto for Christmas and it exploded? It, it didn't explode. The oil it, started leaking over the I don't top. think she'd put the lid on I had a I had a basket of presents I t- was taking somewhere and <laughs> it was all got covered pesto. in oil. Look, I did write down gourmet presents. I mean, you should have taken my tip and done your shopping mm. in... November after Melbourne Cup, but if you haven't, it's too late now. Apart from oh, bookshops, no, don't say that. No. You just put the moss on my last five no. days of trading. Apart from bookshops and op shops, I'm just saying go homemade or go gourmet tucker. Buy the beautiful fruitcake from Hootsons. Buy. Yep. Or get Caro to make you one. But I just reckon food's great over Christmas. Gourmet I food, your pesto, your, you know, your tarragon vinegar, your lemon the, cordial. I at the Vic Market the other day. Like, there's just, there's, there's piles of beautifully wrapped, yeah. f- gorgeous food Jams. and produce. Yeah. I mean, I who agree. doesn't love opening Joe's chutney when your meal's looking bloody boring? I think food, and you just, food books and, dare I say it, Alcohol. Oh, I've done a major grog shop I was, yesterday. I was re- yeah, for yourself I, or no? Personally, I've done the ones. French fizz and I've done the white wine. 
And you're going to drink it all on Christmas Eve when Chris says, so that's Christmas sorted. (laughs) We're all right, are we? You notice now all the really famous gin distilleries are doing a Christmas gin. Mm. I bought one for the family in Sydney and I bought one for myself. I said, that is the most beautiful bottle. I want another one because each year they do a different painting on the label. And he said, uh, the guy in the bottle shop said, no, only one per person. I said, what are you talking about? What, are we in Russia? <laughs> <laughs> I said, do you want to sell these or not? He said, trust me, I will be in the doghouse if, if I don't do just one. There's not enough in stock. Talk about good marketing. Only one per person. I'll go and buy one for you and hand it over. And the other thing I'd that's be quite coming... snippy. I don't think I'd ever go back to that grog no. shop if well, they said I'd no, one. Well, it made me just want it even more. The, um, <laughs> bo- books and food, as you said, grog. And the new thing at the moment, bitters. Have you noticed all the new things <sighs> of bitters that are coming in for cocktails? Why are you rolling your eyes, Anna? Uh, look, she I, wants I, one right now. I can't why. even go there. On You're thinking bitters. of an old family story. I am story. thinking of <laughs> an old story, which I won't be repeating on air. But it, I'll go on. Bit, no, oh God, no, I'll be sued. Well, bitters, bitters no. has got alcohol in it, and maybe mm. some people thought when they put a drop yeah. of bitters in their drink that they weren't having a drink. But or more than a drop. <laughs> why was their drink a cochineal pink? Always. <laughs> As we were young children. We oh, had no idea. grandmother or someone? Or someone Possibly. maybe like that. Not granny. There's an article in the Virgin magazine because I was flying the other day. Oh, God, don't, don't get me started on flying in that mad weather. Every flights were a disaster. But there was an article in the Virgin magazine about all the cool bitters you can get. And at Dan Murphy's, there's a grapefruit one. That is absolutely beautiful. It's fourteen dollars. Mm, two words, be, Corrie, be stocking filler. <laughs> Some, and summer drink that. Great. To- there's different tonics now. If you send all the different oh, tonics, I know. we've I got know. one in our fridge that a friend gave us. It looks incredible. Sort of yeah. a designer tonic. You know, farewell Schweppes. Can yeah. I just repeat? Can I just repeat the um, GLT Caro that you and I touched on a few months ago in relation to Christmas? We were just anecdotally discussing it, but this was a really good one. We A couple of years in a row, when the kids were small, we would park them with the husbands and you and I would drive out to Chatty oh, yeah. or, or any shopping centre of oh, choice, dreadful. any suburb at all. And we went out there at about 9am. We went our separate ways. We met for coffee and we were able to compare notes. We coordinated every yeah. hour. Oh, I saw this and on. did you have stopped for the Japanese lunch? Yeah, <laughs> we, we did. We yeah. did. Well, but, but Anna, what we did is <laughs> because we're, yeah. we were hunting and gathering tips, you see. So we went to different shops. So I'd come back and say, Adairs have got, you know, fluffy beach towels on sale, half price. Great. I'll go. And Cara would say, right, I'll go there after our coffee. So we were able to compare and contrast. We had one car. We put all the booty in at sort of lunchtime and then came back and then after lunch did another load. And it was kind of fun, but it was also very clever and strategic because we could compare notes. So that's a tip as well. Um, And just um, a stocking filler, Ikea, one word. Oh, but you've got to get there. Oh, go early, Anna. There was no one there the other day. Corrie had this very impressive – we had to remove it from the table when we had girls' drinks the other night because it did take up a lot of the table. But it was like a big um, box plant, you know, like box hedge. Box hedge in a round shape. But plastic, but it looked sort of real. Really? No, I I don't think that's a spirit. No. What about a nice bunch of real holly or some Christmas lilies? I tell you, I'm too busy for that. No, but you know how some people do tables? You can do a whole table with the smaller ones. It would look fantastic, actually. And and outside, it's created greenery. I walked home and Pete brought it home, and Pete, the husband, said, Why have you been to the plant shop spending more money on bloody plants? I said, Hello, $6 at IKEA, plastic, will last forever. And I'll never have to water it. Exactly um, right. Speaking of stocking fillers, I said to JB's friend Ava, I said, stocking fillers, you know, what does a 20-something want? And instead of the old socks and jocks that are on, you know, um, moisturiser, this is what I got from her, affordable housing, equal rights, <laughs> no more negative gearing, and take the refugees off Nauru. I was like, oh, oh okay. So no face cream, no socks and jocks. Oh, that, that is, I mean, really. <laughs> I just had to put it in there. All I want for Christmas. Is, yes. Oh, bless her heart. I think that's honourable. JB um, looked absolutely horrified. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, seedlings are Well, maybe, it, nice segue, maybe she should be our crush of the week. But no, Caro actually does have a crush, Anna. She Remember certainly Remember that a crush of the week, of course, is brought to you each week by the Interchange Bench. First class, temporary and contract talent. If your business needs new players, pick them up from the Interchange Bench, the leader provider of temporary and contract talent, as I said. For talent so good, you wish you could keep them and 
go to interchangebench.com.au. Caro, who or what is your crush? Corrie, lately I've found it hard sometimes to fix upon a crush, and it's such an important segment. But there's only one crush this week, and it's Tim Payne, the new Australian cricket captain. He has reinvigorated, for me, Australian cricket. He's competitive, but he doesn't sledge. He he uses banter, but he doesn't abuse the opposition. He, this ongoing tete-a-tete between Tim Payne and Virat Kohli, who is incredibly charismatic Indian cricket captain. He and his partner are sort of the posh and becks of India. He is a superstar. <laughs> I loved him in Adelaide. I thought he started over, you know, egg, over-egging it a bit by the time they went to Perth. Didn't you, Anna, with some of those, some of those, dec- when they got players out, he was almost screaming and his head was almost spinning <laughs> off. I mean, he overdid it. Tim Payne, people, someone said he called him dickhead. He called him big head a couple of times. The comments he made were funny. He was incredibly competitive. I didn't like the fact that they got a little bit too close on one occasion. I don't mind that he speaks in Hindi or whatever he speaks in using sledging. I mean, just ignore it. It doesn't matter. But not only did they win, they have set up one of the great cultural battles of our time. I mean, the Boxing Day test has not had Hooray. a lot of And it's vigor. coming to Melbourne. My family's so excited. It's Everyone's one talking all, about it. You, Who's going? The Indian community in Victoria, I mean, it's absolutely massive. The scenes at the MCG are going to be... Yeah, because For once. In, in stark contrast to Perth, Caro, where were all the people? Yeah, that was a bit disappointing. <laughs> that was really disappointing. It? it was bloody hot. Yeah, the Adelaide, morning. the first day of the Adelaide test, I think um, my godson, uh, your son, Corey, was there, and it sounded just brutal, that yes. heat. Yeah. But so he, he's my Boiling. crush of the week. I just, I look back to the, even before the sandpaper incident, I mean, that, that test series in South Africa was just mm. a disgrace on Debacle. so many levels. It was nasty, it was mean spirited. The Australian cricket team had sunk to to an all-time low. The CEO of Cricket Australia should have been over there sniffing that something was really going to go wrong here. Of course it did, and it was a correction that Australian cricket needed. And Tim Payne has just, in so many ways, but reinvigorated Australian sport for me. He's well-spoken. He's respectful. Like, I love it when I see him on the news. I don't know about you two. He, like, is, he is. He does a good interview. Yeah, you don't feel it's bullshit. You feel you're getting the right information. No, he's really, he's a great new face. As one good really captain. good... Um, Cricket and a lovely bloke, Robert Craddock, Craddock said the other day, they were almost the Australian cricket team had their all plates on about how to behave and what to do. And his leadership has shown them the way, you know, a, a bit of everything, but just not that horrible yeah. nastiness and not a meek, no meek political correctness either. So that's my crush of the week. I Thanks like to that. The interchange. Thank it. you, Interchange Bench, for the best talent you wish you could keep it. I think that's what we say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, talent's so good. Oh, Anna, you've been here so often, you know what to say. <laughs> thanks, Interchange Bench, and Merry Christmas to all the gang at the Interchange Bench, and thanks for your support in 2018. Now, guys, we BSF, have BSF, Corrie, and I'm going to introduce this. We have a big extended star, mix on this one. You're going to star in this first one. I'm later going to give my best 10 films of 2018, but I want to hear, before Anna gives us her best summer book recommendations. I want to hear your 10 best books of 2018. Right. Well, these are the books that I have read. So, of course, there are a lot of terrific books out there, like The Man Swallows Universe, which everybody is raving about, which I'm you're reading. It. Yeah, which Trent I, Dalton, ha- which I haven't read. So I just have Optioned to... by Hollywood last weekend. Oh, good mm. news. That's yep. great. Well, look, there are a lot of books I haven't read. So apologies to all of those authors for not mentioning you. In no particular order, but I will say that my favourite book of the year, my best book of the year, is The Shepherd's by Tim Winton. Mm. Still in a hardcover this summer, but in March, the paperback edition twenty two ninety nine is coming out. So good tip is to just hold off till then and get the less expensive version or come to the bookshop and buy the hardcover. It's very beautiful. Good the Shepherd's Heart by present. Tim Winton, great book. Now, as I said, in no order whatsoever. Warlight by Michael Ondaatje. Loved. Set in post-war England. Becoming by Michelle Obama, which is one of the finest biographies I have read in recent times. Uh, Bridge of Clay by Marcus Suzak. And, of course, Miss Jane and I had the absolute pleasure of having Marcus in the studio with us for our recent recording of the book pod, which you can all subscribe to. Midwinter Break by Bernard McClaverty, a little book with a big message, which is uh, an ageing Irish couple uh, decide to go to Amsterdam for a long weekend. And it's a story about marriage breakup and marriage coming together. 
This is an old one, this one I've written, George Johnson's biography by Gary Kinane. It came out in 1986. Hard to find, Anna. But Very you, hard to find, but, but worth it. Isn't it? You've read it? It's Chris just is obsessed fab- with George oh. Johnson. So we've we've been to the island where he lived in Egypt. Yeah, we've done a lot of Johnson following. Well, but in, interesting so he's tonight. read it, I haven't. So, uh, well, I was asked to write a piece for the Melbourne Press Club on George Johnson's contribution to journalism because, of course, he was a very famous mm. war correspondent. And this book by Gary Kinane is absolutely outstanding. I wish somebody would uh, reprint it. So Alan and Unwin or MUP or one of those local publishers get on board Beautiful biography, so fascinating. Number seven is Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi. Now, you've read that one, Caro. We did a book pod and we're about to, I think we'll be listening to this over the weekend, Corrie. We will. It's our first book pod to be released. Our book pod book club. Book pod book club, yes, which is different to one of the interviews. But I reread that book so we could talk about it. And um, our friend Mindy Williams, whose book Remarkable has just been named on the Financial Review Top, books of 2018. Yeah, top 100 books of 2018. Congratulations, Mindy. Her review of it on the podcast is absolutely brilliant. But I love this book. Yeah, it, it is came second great. in our book club books, didn't it? It, it did indeed. So that is my, as You're I said. You're a bit snippy that Shepherd's Hut only came third, but. No, it came. Oh, yeah, it came third. That's right. Yeah. But other people were snippy that the trauma cleaner didn't even make the. <laughs> I've never there heard was a bit of <laughs> There was a bit of snippiness going on. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, so far I've given you seven, seven books again, as I say, in no order. One book that I read last summer, Anna and Caro, which I have I just hand sold for people who wanted that good easy read for the holiday, Anatomy of a Scandal by Sarah Vaughan. I have Loved talked it. about it. On we the, talk, we've yeah, talked we've talked about, about it here. here. Really good easy reading, and again, a smaller edition just came out this week, so it's a less expensive format. You Daughters of Freedom by Claire Wright. Dr. Claire Wright has written the most extraordinary history book of our women's suffrage movement in Australia, how we were the first in the world, and how our leading women suffragettes went to England to help the women there in their cause because, of course, they didn't receive the vote 18 years after us. So it's a really wonderful book, and we have Claire Wright on the book pod in a few weeks. The Lost Man by Jane Harper. So Jane Harper was also on the book pod. I think that's a really great read. I think it's better than The Dryad, which she wrote a couple of years ago. And that's my 10. But I did want to add a big thank you to both of you, in particular to you, Caro, because the first book, looking back on my list of books I read, this is always a good thing to keep a list, actually. It's quite interesting. My very first book that I read in 2019, sitting on that sofa down at the beach, I Captured the Castle by Dodie Smith. Mm, brilliant. Because I, re- I thought when we talked I had read it, I'd seen the film. And when I uh, the book's so much better, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. The film, film's pretty it good really with Bill is. Nye, but oh, uh, look, uh, I loved the movie, but I thought I had read it. And when Caro mentioned it on Don't Shoot the Messenger, there it was in the bookshelf at the shop. And I flicked through the first couple of pages. Thought, I think I've read this. Bought the copy myself. Took it down the beach. So a big thank you for I Capture the Castle. So that's Pleasure, my Corey. list. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that the book I would most like to receive because Chris and I were going to do this together, which is rather funny because booksellers never get given books. Hint, hint. The book I would most like to receive for Christmas. I would never give you a Why would I give you a book? People should because it shows care and love. You know, I love this book. I want to share it with you. I don't get to read everything and I certainly don't take home the stock. No, and it's like chefs. You know, you ask a chef over and you're in the tears about dinner. And they say, we just want to come to your house. Don't be thinking you've got to put on by the else. incredible yeah, meal. Exactly right. You know, so Anna, same do, thing. Anna, do you know, for the first few years after um, starting the bookshop, when we would have our Chris Kringle at the annual breakup for book club, people were giving me all sorts of other um, ephemera, you know, notebooks and all of that. Diaries. And I said, Can and I please have a calendars book? Calendars. Can I please I have a book? I never know. would have given you ephemera, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would rarely buy you a book for your birthday. Anyway, I, the book I want is called Dramatic Exchanges The Lives oh, and Letters of the National Theatre. Looks brilliant. By Daniel Rosenthal. So the National Theatre in London opened in 1962, and wow, we started off with Laurence Olivier as artistic director. The letters that have flown and the fur that has been, you know, <laughs> Pulled out of everybody's body parts. <laughs> Honestly, from Helen Mirren to Maggie Smith. But Lawrence what about Olivier. when Maggie Smith, she re- re- signs her letter, Margaret. <laughs> That's right, to Olivia, because he took Furious. her off her part. Yes, wouldn't, wouldn't give her the part she thought she wanted her entire life, Margaret. But- 
Yes, yeah, dear Larry, and then in some Margaret. Margaret, uh, look, it's just Those such a great theatrical book. poems. Oh. Wrote some great letters. Oh, you know, there. well, there's something about the Loveys. You know, yeah. they are so articulate and good with the English language. And this <laughs> one is forty nine ninety nine. It is a big hardcover, but gosh, if you've got somebody who loves theatre and letters in your life, that's the one. Over to you, girls. Now, for uh, I think, Caro, you're going to give us your best film. Oh, well, I just want to quickly say um, my favourite summer book recommendations, just quickly. Anna's just lent me one of them, the new Kate Atkinson transcription. Oh, that's our book club. She is my absolute favourite, and I haven't read it, and I'm so excited. Thank you, Anna, for lending me that. But just a couple of good other summer reads. You can't beat a good thriller. Dorothy L. Sayers is one of the best, and Gordy Knights is just an absolute classic. It's a very old copy, is by my bed. Um, we rediscovered Mary Stewart this year because of our Grecian travels, Anna. And I think this rough magic would oh, have to would have to I be. I still think it's just one of the best titles for a book that's not a porno book. And it's got a great cover too of a dolphin just and leaping out. It would be a fun one for charades, wouldn't it? And out of out of all, I never even thought of that, Corrie. Out of all, I mean, obviously the moon spins is brilliant, but of all her plucky hero- heroines who get themselves into a rather serious scrape. A pickle. That would be one of my favourites. It's just three off the top. What about you, Anna? Look, I just have written down five, and I'm not going into them, but if someone wanted to put a present for me under the tree on Tuesday, it would be Garden Love, Plants, Dogs, Country Gardens by the Aussie photographer Simon Griffiths. You know who wrote Sheds? He, yes. And it's, he's photographed all of Paul Bangay's gardens. He he knows his it's gardens. It's a lovely book. He's moved to the country. Apparently, it, I looked it up, it's 20 country-style gardens, their dogs and their plants. So, Chris, if you're listening... Yeah, come come to my bookshop, <laughs> yes. Chris. We've got lots of copies and of that. And Corrie will wrap that up. I think that looks fantastic. My second one is the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction for 2018 called Less by Andrew Sean Greer. I don't know if you read it, Corrie, but it looks... I've just started it. It's a story of Arthur Less, who's a failed novelist and about to turn 50, already loving it. And he's trying to deal with the fact that his ex-boyfriend's getting married to someone else. So rather than go to the wedding, he... Accepts the book to it, doesn't he? Yeah, he accepts invitations to Mm. sort of sub-zero sort of, you know, literary events around (laughs) the world. So it sounds brilliant. We're recommending it as our happy read for the summer. and a friend who works at a bookshop said, not you, but another one said, absolutely brilliant. So that looks good. My third book is, and I don't know this one, but I was just reading about it in your catalogue, The Waiter. By Matthias Falbuchen. Oh, is that, yeah. That thought, which I is thought a, that looked good. Yeah, yeah. Norwegian literary sensation. Yes, yes. yes I'm and nodding. It, it's a story. I haven't read it. No, it's a story set in an Oslo restaurant where a neurotic waiter, I think, observes all and sundry yes. from aristocrats, wealthy widows to roguish entrepreneurs. I thought that looked really good. You know. Now, my fourth one is The Keeper by Graham Norton. Yes, I've read that. I loved I would it. Be, I would give it about a. I would give it about a seven out of ten. Yeah, I thought. I don't know. Uh, to he, me, he does. He's he's writing very well. I, I mean, I, I just picked it up thinking, who knows? But it's a haunting tale of secrets and ill-fated love set on the coast of well, Ireland. That, that mother-in-law, <laughs> and he's got a great sense of humour and a great sense of chill. I yeah. mean, it was really pretty spooky. And, and, um, and also place too. Don't you yeah. feel that you're on that right. Irish coastline? Yeah. No, he's great. This and who great. I'm taking notes yeah. furiously here. Up until the other day, I didn't know it was the same Graham Norton. Yeah. Who and knew? His second the novel. Winning. No, but his the, first book last year was, was a bestseller and it won an award it, in Ireland. I know. He's, he's so talented. Yeah, he is. This is great. Like, it gets you right from the beginning. You're thinking, what's going on? Yeah. It's quite funny. It's about family, sense of identity, love, yeah, loss. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the story. You know, it's the grown-up daughter coming home back to the village town and everything's changed yeah. and has yeah. she. Yeah, it's just fabulous. And my last one, and no surprises here, girls, Mandalay Forever. A biography oh. of Daphne du Maurier by the New York Times bestselling author Tatiana de Rosne. And I am holding up my copy of Rebecca, the 80th anniversary edition. Isn't that a beautiful oh. book? Because it's just so appropriate that this um, autobiography or this biography was released the same year that they've republished this. I think I gave the, the biography to you for your birthday or Christmas. And it's, you know? it's a, a vivid, compelling portrait, I reckon, of Daphne's work and life, great photos, as well as a sort of celebration of her... I don't know, and she's bloody popular, but I think she was always critically underrated mm. as a writer. So it sort of addresses that as well. 
So it's, she did so many genres. Didn't I know she? she did historical. I think that's why she, she did, was hard to. And, yeah. and not only was it difficult for her to crack that code because she was so varied, yep. historic drama, contemporary, and everything. And she did also, sci-fi. She was she, there at the time when British female writers were just. We talked about Edna O'Brien last last week. They just were not yeah. celebrated. So there's there's so many different facets of this book. It's fabulous. It's a ripper. Well, I'm actually saving that one for just before we do our Cornwall walk. Because yes. I thought I would do full okay. Daphne and full yeah. Cornwall before we oh, go and walk. Yeah. We're going walking in Cornwall next year. <laughs> I've got a great book in my old bookshelf um, down at the beach, and it's called um, I Found It. It must have been one of my grandmother's Christabel's Cornish Adventure. I'm going to prescribe it to all of you before we go walking. I've got a Daphne de Moria, and it's her just talking about her Cornwall. So it's. Not fiction. Oh. It is. I'll be lending it round. I oh, will be doing Tristan and Isold. We will yeah. be so yeah. Cornish. We'll be not, and not just the pasties as well. <laughs> we'll be really, you know. Now we'll just move on to screen. Corrie, Anna, and I. Well, you ditched us. You um, arranged mm. a movie oh, date. Jesus, Louise's. Mm. You made a no. podcast movie date celebration. And I you did. Ditched us. I left yeah. work early. We went and saw. Will you ever Bookshop forgive flooded, me? That's all I'm saying. Um, mm. Which is sort of you mentioned that book about um, British about theatrical people writing to each other. Well, this is sort of the basis for this film, which, as you sensibly said, Anna, was a two-hander, really, mm-hmm. with um, Richard E. Grant and Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy yeah. who, who is fabulous. I mean, she's way past bridesmaids. Like, this is a really – she's really great in this. The performances are great. We, we love they've, they've, they've both been nominated, can I say, for Golden Globes and various things, so sure, they'll probably yeah. pop up in the Oscars with this one. It, it, it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. But no, it was still really enjoyable. Would that be a fair summation? What's the story? The story is she's a celebrator, celebrated, uh, or celebrity biographer, I should say, and she's a fairly bleak human being. Down I on think, her chips. Down on her chips. And she falls out of favour with the current sort of literary trends. So she wants to write about someone and no one's interested. So Fanny Bryce. Thanks, Caro. And so she turns her art form of... Um, biographing, if that's a verb, into deception. And she starts writing letters from famous writers, you know, everyone from Dorothy Parker to Noel Coward. Lillian Helmer. This is Hill. a true story. It's a true story. So the book Lee is... Israel is the name of the yeah. author and she's and written she a book wrote, about She this. wrote this book, which is now the film. So it's actually fascinating, even how she did that. She had different typewriters set up in the very meagre Brooklyn establishment, you know, with Noel Coward on this one because he always wrote on whatever. And then she, you know, baked the paper for Dorothy Parker so it was just the right age. And so it's the story really of her downfall. And she out-Dorothy's Dorothy and she out-Noel's Noel. And, and in fact, one of the, in the end, which in the credits, which it's worth going for the credits because they're fabulous, they actually say that two of her letters that she forged were in Noel's some 1985, yeah. bi- 1995 biography, which then had to be reprinted. <laughs> so that's how good she was. And we yeah. would have liked a bit more of her letters. We got more of the more more wit and one liners. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she at, at one point Noel makes a comment in one of the fake letters about his sexuality, and that's one of the things that brings her undone because he never he would about never, that. Yeah. No, and but she, she it was great. She and got sloppy. She was a drunk. He's a drunk, yeah. and Richard Grant's a drunk. And that's um, how they meet. No, no they meet in a bar. He's a near. Do well, uh, an English ne'er do well living on his wits in New York. Um, Gay drug dealer. So it's their relationship as well. And I thought Richard E. Grant was fabulous because he didn't over egg it and he could have over egged it. Yep. He just, he, you needed him because she was really pretty grim. She was not a likable character. She had a character. Cat. Yeah, and that's, that's another thing that you said. It's a testament to how great Melissa McCarthy's acting chops were that in the end you had sympathy for this character and she was pretty awful. I mean, she went to sort of literary cocktail parties and, you know, stole the shrimps and took them home to feed And the lavatory paper. Oh, and stole the toilet paper. That's right. so, yeah. It sounds great, but where did it fall down for you both? There wasn't enough of the witty banter mm. from the letters. It was a bit turgid. Um, mm. It took a while to set up. It was more a drama than a comedy, so if you know what I mean. So we needed a lighter touch for it to be a, a it, black Look, it comedy. was really enjoyable. It, I, mean, I, w- I mean, I would definitely we, recommend it. I yeah. just was really expecting more. And, and we did think, I mean, New York was also yeah. one of the 1991 heroes. New York. That's all it you was needed. Incredible. It was the soundtrack was great, like great New York jazz. All of that was fantastic. But it just it took a while to get going. You know when you think 15 minutes in, this better arc up. 
because, you know. And then, and then it sort of did. But we weren't laughing out loud. We did laugh no. in a few bits. Great film review, ladies. Now, with the top ten list, Caro, that you are going to give us for movies, may I suggest that we take that offline, as they say, and we do a special bonus episode because I know that you'll have a controversial list and I know Anna and I will want to discuss it. So we're running out of time here. So move to our bonus episode. Now, Anna, you have some Christmas recipes for us. I've got just two Christmas recipes which Miss Jane is going to pop up. Just to give you Christmas some colour, I've just looked back in my um, Christmas book and I found my festive slaw. Oh, not the red slaw. It is the red slaw. <laughs> and last night on the telly, I saw Nigella giving it a red hot go, although she called it tricolour slaw and she looked a bit sexier making it than I do. But anyway, it does involve red cabbage. Don't turn your nose up. And there's a lot of julienne. As long as there's no brining. There's no brining. There's... um. Um, dried cranberries. It's really yummy. That's all I say. It looks great on the table. Everything in it's red. The red onions? Yeah, it's red onion, red cabbage, bit of carrot, cranberry, red vinegar. Beetroot? No. No root. It's really good. Now, my other one, because I Can know... Can I just say it's a beautiful salad, except Anna just mm. served it one day too much, mm. and it arrived at um, <laughs> um, as a plate at a lunch three days after Christmas, and it had started fizzing. A bit fermenting. <laughs> Although someone said I should have just stir-fried it. In fact, Mary Ellis said, bang it in the wok, you'll be fine. Look, I did it make it... beautiful. Christmas 2010. I've suddenly gone off this recipe. No, no I made it Christmas great. 2010. I haven't made it since, because I gave it a red-hot go. My husband would just smell the red cabbage in the back of the car from the market. Not, not the slaw again. Anyway, that was one. And my other one for if you're not doing the buzzer this year and you're going fish is the Greg Maloof festive fish. Um, salmon or trout. Salmon or trout. And you slow bake it. It sounds weird. You pull the skin off and then you make something called... Is it a tarata or I don't know how you say it, but it's got tahini, yogurt, coriander, sometimes um, a bit of preserved lemon, pine nuts. A bit of preserved lemon and also chilli, sumac and walnuts. It's absolutely divine. So you sort it of bake it. must beautiful. Yeah, you bake the salmon and then you've got this beautiful um, green with the um, turmeric, um, sorry, with the um, tahini underneath. Yep. And you can put on top other cranberries or pomegranates. So it's absolutely mm, you divine. Know it's, um, it's like tying the bows when you're banging those pomegranates mm. and getting the seeds out, don't you? <laughs> but that's that a yummy a, one and it's good recipe. for leftovers. And they will be on our Facebook page. And I'll just throw in Otto Lingi's Plenty, yeah. the Green Couscous. The Green Couscous. It is yeah. an absolutely brilliant recipe. Well, seeing as we're all throwing, I'm going to say Julia Bazutal Nishimura's Mm. Baked ricotta cheesecake with figs and grapes on the top from the Ostro cookbook is just about the most festive, beautiful. It is a bit autumnal with the figs, but it's so pretty. It's so beautiful. Never heard of plum pudding at the moment. Yeah. And plum pudding. You've seen the cost of figs. Well, at the maybe moment. not for Christmas, okay. Maybe, no, you know, maybe you in March or April. No, but, but just it is substitute delicious. the figs for nectarines or yeah, something. Yeah, you could mm. do something like that. It is Some a real it's, it's a winner fruit. of a cheesecake. Corey I know a lot served of that to great acclaim at a lunch. What are you um, grumpy about, Caro? Anna, well, who's grumpy? Anna, um, Caro's starting the grumpy, but we're, it's a collective. This grumpy. is all local councils, mm. but we're going to focus on Stonington Council, which has made the decision. This is one part of it to re, um, basically re-tender the local tennis, two local tennis clubs. I mean, admittedly, you know, this is a place we know well. There's one on Orang Road. There's one in Union Street, both in the Stonington area. Beautiful local cafes, a lot of people employed. They made the decision to re-tender. The Victorian Tennis Association lost the tender without anyone having a chance to re-tender, basically. It, was a, it sounded like a dodgy process. Oh, complete dodgy process. And the Stonington Council have had no dialogue with the people of Stonington who are they're, they're meant to represent. The whole thing's just been a complete debacle. They had a council meeting the this other is night. This true grumpy yeah. bit. They yeah. had a council meeting the other night where obviously this issue, this issue was on the agenda and there'd been a lot of Facebook talk about it and people were going to try and discuss it with the council. They took it off the agenda and then they called the police. The police turned so, up and they said, they I mean, said you can't come into the council meeting. Well, why yeah. do we pay our rates if you can't yeah. go into the council meeting? And have meeting? dialogue. And also, what, you're not a bit turned busy up and were Christmas? banned from going into the meeting and mm. then they took it off the agenda. 
But isn't bringing in the police a bit extreme? Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, but also... Extreme on many levels. You're there. It's pretty busy. It's a Monday night pre-Christmas. It's called democracy, Yeah, you've gone down because you want to discuss it with your local councillors. no wonder we're all in a rage. Now it's time for six quick questions to wrap up the year. Mm. Corrie, you've been a bookseller for almost a decade now. Be honest, how healthy is the future of the book as object? Future of book as object is tiggity-boo, looking at the young people and junior readers in our shop and the parents and grandparents who are buying books for them. Well done, everyone. And I think also if something is happening, everybody is suffering or complaining of screen fatigue and there is a whole lot of reassessment, and I think there will be in 2019, of how frequently we are accessing our iPhones and the negative impacts of social media. So if you want to chill out, and turn your screens off, turn to a book. So I'm in a pretty good uh, – I'm still agitated about international book distributors who don't pay taxes locally and continue to try and grab our market share. But why not go down to your local bookshop, have a chat with your bookseller and find a book of choice, nothing better. I've never had a Kindle, but I know people with Kindles who've gone back to books. Mm, I do too. Just saying. So do I, I do too. Now, Anna, what's your favourite Christmas Eve or Christmas morning family ritual, apart from Chris saying <laughs> <laughs> that's Christmas sorted? Christmas we morning. Yeah, exactly. No, Christmas morning is normally croissants, fresh fruit salad, and we open presents amongst ourselves. So it's it's not really ritual. It's just a daggy thing we do. We don't play, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town or <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at the top of the um, dial. But we just have the fun, you know, daggy family. All together. All in. together, yeah. Yeah, I think that I'd, I'd, I'd ditto that. I think it's fabulous too. Corrie, your three best podcast recommendations, please. Nicole Wallace, Deadline White House on MSNBC. It's a television show, but each day it also comes across as a podcast. She is an American political commentator and she's a former, former White House director of communications. She worked for George W. Bush. She is a Republican. And so I just want to point that out because people think that I'm anti you know, Trump, anti-Republican, anti-anything conservative. I am not. This woman rocks. She has each night, she has a a panel of guests. They are fabulous guests and they talk about all of the issues facing at the moment, of course, the Trump administration. Balanced, fair, must listen if that sort of stuff floats your boat. The second one, again, international, FT Politics, FT standing for Financial Times. I'm all over this one at the moment because of Brexit and Theresa May, who's Carol, my pin-up girl of the moment. I'm just fascinated by what's happening over in the UK, so that's mine. And then the third one is also a London-based one, and I mentioned it earlier. Fortunately, with Fee and Jane. Jane Garvey and Fee Glover are about our age. They're two BBC broadcasters and their podcast is their two buddies and they sit in the Piazza cafeteria, a broadcast house, and they just start chatting. There's a lot right. of background noise and a lot of coffee cups <laughs> and things. They it's are really hilarious. Good, yeah. And as I said, the Cardiff Pub Christmas special is on now. And just one tip for local podcasting, Russia, If You're Listening by Matt Bevan, which is actually a contained series. It looks at how Donald Trump's it's tracking his uh, connection with uh, the Russians. It's brilliant. Those are my tips. Now, Caro, how do you keep flies from the rubbish tin? Well, this is a new one because we've moved our rubbish bins near to our kitchen window of late. Lavender. One word, lavender. You put a pot of Any lavender. Any particular variety? Oh, we've got English lavender, but I'm sure you could use French. Um, um, Brendan made this concoction with apple cider vinegar, you know, that one that you look up. It's, uh, it, it's in a jar and you put a hole in the glad wrap. I'll come to glad wrap in a moment, Anna. But um, <laughs> lavender, I mean, it's like you plant parsley under roses to keep them free of spots. You plant nasturtiums under fruit trees to make them healthy. Roses near, uh, you, in your vineyard. In your vineyard, mm, yes. Exactly. And, and lavender by your rubbish it's bin. It's called companion planting, Caro. Well, this mm. is companion keeping flies away. And it's <laughs> Absolutely. It works. You've got it another works. solution is to just keep everything really sealed. But how lovely is it having a pot of lavender anywhere anyway? It's yeah, a win-win. True. Win. true, true. A win-win. Anna, what is your funniest, worst Christmas Day moment? Look, there's been so many of funny and worse ones. I won't go there. But I will say my best Christmas Day moment is when my husband proposed to me in the sandpit of his brother's house on Christmas night. Oh, that's right. Oh. In the sandpit. <laughs> Why were and you in the sandpit? I don't know, because we're in the back of Vin's house in Middle Park. and He had little children. 
I think there was just a sandpit in the house. I can't even remember. And anyway, did, did we Chris were in the sandpit. Did Chris produce a ring from one of the little there, there, Tonka, Tonka trucks or something? <laughs> there was no ring at that stage. But that a pro- was lovely proposal. That's, oh, that's, that's nice. pretty impressive. And, yeah. Caro, you have a GLT. I do, Corrie, and I know I've already given you a Christmas present, but this is the best Christmas present you will ever receive. Food covering, a wax wrap. Oh, I have one. Well, mm-hmm. I'm giving it to our you friend Kate, Our friend Katie gave me one. This is – Anna, Anna doesn't yeah. get one because she was rude about it. I've <laughs> already doesn't. got one at home. Karen gave me one. I prefer Glad Wrap myself. Look, I have been given food coverings. I know. I love Sorry. The, what's the big sort of um, thing you put over food? Um, the big – like a, it's like a meat tent. keeper. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yes. Meat safe. No, Me, no, uh, no. But it's it's keeper. got it's keep, made of keeps, flyaway keeps stuff. Keeps your flies off. Yeah. Yes. Then I, I love those. I've got a beautiful antique one made out of wire. My sister a few years ago gave me those mini shower caps of all different sizes. They're like shower caps, but you mm. put them over. They fit over cups, bowls, whatever of all different sizes. I've used obviously used Glad Wrap. I loathe Glad Wrap. Corrie, there was a I'm friend. I'm very happy. With my this. friend Susie in Sydney. Rewaxed all her dips the other night after we had drinks. It sticks properly. It's recyclable. Um, it look, looks I'm a fabulous. huge fan, and I'm mm. very happy with my little gift. Thank you, Carol. It is that to me. And I've got your spice nuts, so I've got two. You've little been gifts. very lucky. You can put them spoiled. over your spice nuts. And had you been nicer about my wax wrap, you would have been got one too. <laughs> I'm very happy with my. I think it's a book. That I'm very. She, she's happy. looking jealously at my it's wax wrap. Actually, it's actually not a book. It's even well, not even better. But Ladies, we we have come to the end of our episode and the last episode. <laughs> for 2018, which makes me feel very nostalgic. But I'm not going to sing We'll Meet Again in my best Vera Lynn. Oh, li- no, that was on the cards. <laughs> um, first of all, I would, like to thank, I would like to thank Miss Jane, Jane Neal, our wonderful producer. We love you so much, Jane. And you're a great singer. Aren't you going to talk today? <laughs> I'll talk and just say, on behalf of all the potties who I always get the messages from, it, it has been such an inspiring year to produce this show oh, with you guys and the book pot as well. So thank you, and yeah. Anna, for... On behalf of all the guests as well, you're awesome. <laughs> and exactly. You, you have been generous with your time. And, Corrie, I would be remiss not to mention our best GLT of last year, Jane's White Agapanthus, which yes. she's bought in again. You'll be able to see that on the Don't again. Shoot you pod Instagram account. Up. It's dipped, incredible. Dipped in red food colouring and they're stunning. red and white striped. Stunning. It's also stunning. And, uh, Anna, as Cara said, thank you. And to all our guests, Jeff Slatter, everybody who's popped in during the year, Mark Sheen, we love having you all. Thanks for listening, everyone. And, of course, the best gift that you can give Caro and I is to tell a friend about our show so they can download us and do give us a rating because apart from the fact it makes us feel good about ourselves, it does help other people find us if there's like four or five stars they go, oh, I might have a listen of that. Um, Download our podcast app onto um, their phone if they don't know how to do it or set it up in their computer and they will love you for it. Please send us your feedback to our email, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au or you can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the links in the show notes for this episode. And, Corrie, we've got the book pod coming up, episode six, with award-winning author Marcus Suzak, author of The Book Thief, and this new novel, Bridge of Clay, which I'm going straight to your shop after this to buy. But we're also going to be releasing my 10 best films for 2018 after Christmas. Oh, that's a good idea because we couldn't fit it in today. That's well, right. that's that's going to be streaming. And also, if you still don't have anything to listen to, we're dropping a new book club episode for the book pod this week which we're discussing Camilla Shamsi's home fire plus a new episode of the book pod so it's been a big year lots happening and we look forward to many many occasions and Anna and Caro what do we say don't, don't shoot, shoot the, the messenger, messenger. Corrie